everyone, and welcome to the A to Z of Doctor Who, which is going to be a slightly fraught and perilous exercise uh, this time around, because GarageBand have changed their interface once again, and I have very little idea what any of these buttons do. sound there of an adult male having sexual intercourse with an alien vespi form. Uh, but first, yes, uh, welcome to the HZ of Doctor Who. I am the Ian Martin. Um, if you like Doctor Who, reach out to me on Twitter and say hello. Um, it's at the Ian Martin, and Ian, just to be, uh, just to help you, is spelt I-A-I-N. So it's at the Ian, I-A-I-N, Martin. All one word. Come say hello. It would be really nice to chat. Uh, specifically if you live in the West London area, because it would be quite nice for me to have someone to go down the pub with. Just, you know, sometimes. The A to Z of Doctor Who, episode R. R is for Rani V. A moral Time Lord, the Rani, known presumably as the Ronnie in any male regenerations she may once have enjoyed, was a beautiful, glamorous biologist, chemist, and physicist, like a sort of sexually devastating science teacher, if science teachers weren't all bearded men with untrusting natures and halitosis. The Rani encountered the Doctor in 1985's Mark of the Rani, and the seldom-discussed 1987 story Time and the Rani, which Doctor Who fans never seem to talk about in any context whatsoever, even... Warren Fry from top Canadian fancast Radio Free Scaro. R is for Rachnos V. The sole appearance, to date, of the terrifying Rachnos came in 2006's Christmas special The Runaway Bride. Envisaged as a race of horrible and giant spiders, the realisation of the creatures was rather lacklustre and the main image that lingers in the memory is of a red-painted Sarah Parrish ranting in a silly accent while gaffer-taped to a rudimentary stick or hoist in the corner of Studio B. The Rachnos, being based on spiders, were just the latest in a long line of examples of writers using the things that they personally feared as inspiration for terrible Doctor Who monsters like metal Nazis, tax inspectors, giant rats, and... In the case of the Sontarans, potatoes. R is for Rassilon. At some point in the Time War, the beleaguered citizens of Gallifrey took a vote and decided the only way they were going to defeat the Daleks was by resurrecting one of the founders of Time Lord Society, a bizarrely moustached prankster last seen tricking Lord President Barusa into becoming a poorly realised stone buttress during the Five Doctors. 
Rassilon's trap had kept the capital largely free of power-crazed megalomaniacs ever since Rassilon's demise back in the dark times. I should offer, for the sake of clarity, that I'm talking about Gallifrey's dark times rather than my own. Gallifrey's dark times involved the cruel use of time-scoop technology to kidnap hideous examples from a number of species in order to watch them fight to the death. A bit like a, an interesting version of Big Brother. My, my own dark times had rather more to do with my cat dying, my marriage ending, and long weekends spent lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, adrift in a fog of heartbreak, pain, and an overwhelming sense of the futility of carrying on. But rather like Gallifrey, I have put my dark times behind me, and now I spend my weekends lying about in a wide variety of different rooms in my flat, longing not for death, but for exciting varieties of biscuits. The Time Lords, of course, were rightly chuffed to have a reborn Rassilon leading them in the war, especially because he shouted a lot, spat everywhere, and looked rather like a slightly older James Bond, but with thinning hair. The Time War didn't end quite as well as had been hoped, with Gallifrey trapped for centuries in a weird dimension outside of our own universe, although the Time Lords eventually managed to have a quiet word with the Doctor, who promptly sorted all that out, and Julie popped home for a visit. So keen were the Time Lords to see their saviour once again that they made him punch his way through a wall of solid diamond, which took him several billion years. So when the Doctor finally made it, he was uncharacteristically rather cross. The Doctor's first and only action was to stare menacingly at Rassilon, who had by this point regenerated into a man with the demeanour and personal aesthetic of an oversexed school caretaker, and order him to leave Gallifrey once more into a life of exile. Dare I say it, but there's probably a degree of potential there for future stories, but probably like the Doctor, I'm not sure if I'd be too keen to see the character used again. R is for Raston Warrior Robot. If you're the third Doctor pressed up against a wall somewhere in Wales during the five Doctors, there is no more terrifying sight than a diminutive man dressed in a silver leotard, leaping up and down in a manner both balletic yet flamboyant. This is either because you're looking at the most perfect killing machine ever devised as it casually and effortlessly slaughters an entire squadron of Cybermen, the proper ones from the 80s, or because you might be wondering just how much you had to drink last night in the saloon bar of the nearby Leek and Yeti public house. Ah is for Ravalox. The Sixth Doctor and Perry travelled to the mysterious planet of Ravalox in the 1986 story The Trial of a Time Lord. After walking across the planet's surface, which was largely forest, they found their way into a cave, down a comically short escalator, and found themselves regarding a London Underground Station sign for Marble Arch, which is a stop on the Central Line. The Doctor and Perry hung around for another three whole episodes without seeing so much as a single solitary train, which pretty much proved their suspicions that somehow, impossibly, they were indeed on Earth, specifically on the Central Line. Still, it could be worse. It could have been the Piccadilly Line, and I can't imagine Colin Baker squeezing his way aboard one of their hysterically overcrowded meat wagons. Yours angrily, a commuter. R is for... 
Raxacorico Fallapatorius. The homeworld of the Slitheen was only given such a long and unpronounceable name because Russell T. Davis wanted to play an hilarious prank on his newly assembled cast in the 2005 relaunch of Doctor Who. Virtually the first scene to be filmed required Christopher Eccleston to utter the word Raxacorico Fallapatorius. And after several botched attempts, the actor plain refused to do it. The word was dubbed in post, and Eccleston never spoke to Davies again, quit the show, and now refuses to have anything to do with the whole sorry business of Doctor Who. So there was a joke that backfired, eh, Russell? I'm joking, by the way. This probably isn't the real reason for the big mysterious falling out between RTD and Christopher E., but it would be quite funny if it was true. R is for the Rings of Akaten. Like Time and the Rani, The Twin Dilemma and Fear Her, this story from 2013 is often held up by fans as one of the very worst Doctor Who stories ever committed to celluloid. This is wrong on two counts because it's actually a really good story and I'm pretty sure nobody in the entertainment industry was still using celluloid in 2013. However, the story was recorded, it was far more likely to have been rendered digitally. While Series 7B is generally regarded to have been somewhat hit and miss, I'd watch this over Cold War, Nightmare in Silver, or Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. The episode was written by Neil Cross, unlike Nightmare in Silver, which was presumably written by Neil Furious. R is for Robot of Sherwood. Skip we now merrily into Series 8 of Doctor Who, where the Doctor, now portrayed by Peter Capaldi, locks horns if you will, with the rather jolly Robin Hood in this wonderful caper where the Sheriff of Nottingham may or may not have been himself a robot. Uh, And we don't know because of a crucial edit made for sensitivity in the wake of an atrocity believed to have been carried out by ISIS in London a couple of days before transmission. This is one of two key associations this often derided episode has in the hive mind of fandom, the other being that Clara really did look rather breathtaking in her dress at the end. In a wildly iconoclastic position, I personally hadn't really warmed to the Twelfth Doctor in either of his preceding episodes, and it was only in this story where Capaldi got to show his comedy chops that I began to appreciate the character, especially when he implied that the heroic Robin Hood had soiled himself. R is for Romana Dvoratrilanda. In a stark contrast to the violent savage Leela, Tom Baker's next companion as the Doctor was the aloof, icy and inexperienced Time Lady known as Romana, portrayed by the devastatingly lovely Mary Tam and the mischievous imp Lala Ward, who became the Yoko Ono of Doctor Who by almost destroying the show. Such was her power over the raging heart and loins of the show's leading man. At times, they were all over each other while at other times the show's two leads couldn't even look at each other. Baker and Ward were the Burton and Taylor of Doctor Who, marrying quickly and breaking up almost right away, plunging Tom Baker into a deep depression. I know what'll help, show's producer John Nathan Turner, Julie Spake, and that's a new sexy companion to take Tom's mind off of things. And so it was that J&T presented Tom Baker to the work experience kid, Matthew Waterhouse. And Tom quit the show on the spot.
actually, I may have gone a little too far.